fall back, but I can't get enough of you. That fan, baby, can I call you? You're out of mine, and I love that you're my free. Every time I see you, yo, that's me. Hey. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to yet another episode of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend. Jalen Hunter. And if you would do me a favor, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. I'm trying to reach a thousand subscribers, so you know, please subscribe. But here's where we'll start. Let's think of think of anything in the world. You know, think of uh, a car, think of a laptop, think of a phone. Hell, you can even think think of a marriage. One thing that needs that 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 should constantly happen is evolution. You need to evolve. You know, in, in a marriage or, or in a relationship, you don't want to act the same way you did when you got the young lady or when you got the guy. You want to evolve. You want to get better. You want to grow together with a car. I mean, yes, a 1970 car can still ride, but a 1970 car doesn't feel like a 2021 car. You know, you want that evolution. You want to evolve. You want to improve. Why am I starting with this? I've been a loud proponent saying that the MLB needs to change. The MLB needs to come into the 21st century. The MLB is probably the only sport that you hear a lot of people, you know, oh, man, they're disrespecting the game. Do you know how many people get upset because of bat flips? Bat flips. You know, after you hit a home run and then you hit, you know, Probably the other teams jawing at you, the other dugouts jawing at you, and then you hit a home run, and then you flip the bat. The next day, that's going to be a five-segment conversation on all these sports platforms, saying that was that disrespectful or or was that disrespectful to the game. In fact, more than likely, the very next game you play with somebody, they're going to try to hit you with a thousand not thousand <laughs> with a hundred mile ball because you disrespected the game you know MLB baseball in general like I said is is the only sport in my opinion that has I guess an, a, a code of conduct an old book that doing things and they try to stick to that religiously but last night or two nights ago the MLB did something different the MLB had a had a Field of Dreams game. For people that don't know, Field of Dreams is a movie that's pretty much about building a <laughs> building a a, ba- a a baseball field or a diamond, whatever you want to call it, baseball field in a corn like a corn cornfield. Of course, Field of Dreams. Uh, for people that know sports phrases, the famous "If you build it, they will come." That comes from. Uh, that comes from the field of dreams. And what the, the MLB did was they tapped into that movie. They tapped into the anniversary of that movie. And they built an entire st- uh, an entire field by, in a cornfield in Iowa. Um, and it was a it was an, it was a it was a it was a great event. I think this is the first time I can remember a MLB game. That, in my opinion, was more exciting than the MLB All-Star. Because remember, I talked about, last time I talked about MLB, really, was during the All-Star, during the the Home Run Derby, during the All-Star game. And I said that 
The MLB does a lot, like needs to improve on a lot of things. But one thing that they do right is the All-Star game and the All-Star weekend. And this game was exciting, man. This game was probably, in fact, I'm not the only person that thought that this game was probably one of the best games that the MLB has had in, in years. Because when the, I think the, the the views came out or something, and this was the most watched game in Fox for like, in the last like 16 years in, for baseball. Man, I know, like, when you hear, okay, on a, what was it, right? On a Thursday night, uh, you know, the White Sox played the Yankees. Of course, they, they did. But the fact that they brought it into the 21st century. Now, I understand that the movie is an older movie, but it was just exciting to see. It wasn't the same old go to the park, see a, a, a boring Yankees game, see a boring uh, White Sox game. They incorporated some. They, they brought Kevin Costner. Of course, the famous scene in the movie when the players were coming out of the cornfield. That's the same thing that they did for the game. It was just exciting. Again, I've been loud. And I've been I've been loud and I've been consistent when I've been saying that the MLB needs to improve. The MLB has so many stars, you know, from Aaron Judge to Otani to uh, Vladimir, uh, uh, no, um, Germ, uh, whew, Vladimir from the Blu-ray Blue Jays from uh, Tatis. Like there's so many young players, Aaron Judge, uh, Giancarlo Stanton. There's there's so many stars in this league that is the MLB that they do not tap into. They don't they don't really. Let's look at let's look at other let's look at other sports. Basketball probably does it best as far as basketball understands that they don't get anywhere or the NBA. The NBA doesn't understand. The NBA understands probably better than any sport that they don't get anywhere without their players which is why you see the nba does probably the best job in my opinion to champion their players the nfl the nfl you're starting to see they're trying to adopt the while yes the nfl is still the most popular sport in the united states they're trying to adopt a lot of things from the nba because they see the popularity rising from the nba while yes the nfl is the most popular sport in the in the league i mean in in the united states you're seeing the NBA catching up. So you see a lot of the NFL is is now marketing their players. You see the big campaign for, you know, Madden. Every time they talk about the Madden uh, uh, rankings. They, the NFL does a big a big thing with the, with the schedule coming out. Like you're starting to see that they're, they're trying to make the league. They're trying to make the players more, more, more up front. Now, of course, it's still the shield. It's still the owners first. But the NFL is trying to because the NFL understands that in today's day and age, you know, people have social media. People have have instant ways to connect with the players and a, 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 a an average consumer is going to connect with a player before they connect with the team. Yes, you're still a fan of the team, but I'll connect more with a Stephen Curry before I connect with a, a Golden State Warrior. I'll connect to. I'll connect to a Odell Beckham Jr. before I connect to the Cleveland Browns. I'll connect to Aaron Darnold before I connect to the L.A. Rams. So the NFL is trying to incorporate that. The M MLB has been late to that, and, and, and they have probably been the last people to, like, stand on that, oh, no, it's tradition. 
Now you're starting to see, like I said, last or the other night was a was a pure example that if you just incorporate new things, people are going to watch. People are going to be excited. People are going to come. Hell, the, the, the famous phrase, if you build it, they will come. If you improve on it, they will come. If you go back to the marriage analogy, if you don't improve your marriage, it's not going to work. If you don't improve the way you talk to your significant other, if you don't improve the way you guys communicate, the way that you date each other, the way that you, I don't know, just be with each other, it's not going to work. If you don't improve your car, it's not, there's going to be a certain point where it's not going to work. And I think the MLB is starting to notice that and they have to start noticing that seeing as though the viewership continues to go down. That's one thing that if some, if you know, something's going to change, something is always going to change if it hits the pockets and the viewership continues to go down. Now, again, I'm here. This is me. This is me congratulating the the MLB because the field of dreams game which is the first time it happened uh two days ago Thursday night was was incredible it was I I was watching the game I watched this game over summer league games I was I was going between this and the pre uh the Washington and Patriots preseason game which we'll talk about a little later but this wasn't this was exciting you know the White Sox beat the beat the Yankees on a Tim Anderson walk-off home run, uh, eight to, or nine to eight, there was like six home run or eight home runs. I know Aaron Judge hit two bombs out there. Like it was exciting. It was exciting, man. And you know, it got me. The shouts out to Eric Lyons of the Electric uh, Electrified Podcast. He was talking. We should incorporate this more, man. We should, and, and, and we can incorporate it in other sports. Now, again. <laughs> Next year, why don't the the MLB probably do a Sandlot type game, and and that's that's coming straight from Eric Lyons. That's not me thinking it. Why don't they Why don't they have a Sandlot game? That would be incredible. Why doesn't the NBA have a I don't know a He Got Game theme? The NFL have a Remember the Titans game or something like that. Like I just think <laughs> the this is the first time in a while I think the MLB is first to something as far as. This can be huge for all sports. Like I said, imagine going to an NBA game and watching a he got game, a he got game type. Now they the end up, the NBA did do that one time where they tried to do the nicknames on the jerseys, which is pretty cool. But again, this this is the Bravo, Bravo MLB. This was this was probably the best game, the best game that wasn't a World Series game in years and the viewership like i said i think this was up 16 percent or something like that actually no this was up a lot, like this was probably i think the report came out that this was the most watched game in like 16 years so shouts out to the mlb uh the field of dreams game was a success and of course now that you know that it was success they're probably gonna continue it or 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 improve on it but this should show you that the old ways just are the old ways. They're not going to continue to work. Like people love to see home runs. People love to see bat flips. People love to see, you know, people jong at each other, players at the top of their games going back and forth at each other. People love that. So when you, you know, when, when you keep, when we, oh, that's not how we do it back in the day. Yeah, back in the day, <laughs> back in the <laughs> Back in the day, you had people. I was probably I could probably be a baseball all star back in the day, 
Now, that's no disrespect to all the players that did it, but today is different, man. Hell, if you look at every single sport, the league is different. NBA players are better now than they were back in the day as far as skill. People, NFL players are leaps and bounds better today than they were back in the day because of skill and because of how the game is advancing. Tennis, hockey, golf, like people... Every sport is evolving. It's time for the MLB to do in, to do that. And I think the Field the Dream game is definitely the the launching pad, you know? You've seen you've seen the MLB do oh, you see the MLB do some things uh recently that's been kind of hit or miss, you know, they've uh shortened or no, extended the 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 pitching. <laughs> they've extended the, the that, they've extended games. That that was a fail. They've extended, you know, you're starting to see the MLB is, is throwing things to the wall, hoping that they stick. And I think this Field of Dreams game, not saying that they're going to play every game as you know at the Field of Dreams, but I think this is something that can definitely stick. So bravo to the MLB. Let's move forward. So I have been going on about, you know, I have been, what I said I was going to do is every episode, I'm going to break down a, a division in the NFL. Uh, I've already done the AFC, what? I've already done the AFC East. I've already done the AFC South. Uh, and today, I'm going to do the AFC West. Uh, the AFC West, of course, consists of the Broncos, the Raiders, the Chargers, and the Chiefs. And then, of course, next episode, I'm going to conclude the AFC with the AFC North, and then I'm going to go to the NFC. But it's so interesting to me. Of course, every... Every division is not created equal. <laughs> you know, the AFC North is not the AFC East. Um, the AFC West is not the AFC South. Uh, the NFC West is not the NFC or AFC South. Like, every, all, not all divisions are created equally, of course, because some divisions are better than others. But every single division, every single division has instru- interesting storylines, man. And I think that's that's just the beauty of, of football, man. That's the beauty of sports in general. It doesn't matter which team you like. It doesn't matter uh, which division you like. It doesn't matter which conference you live in. It doesn't matter which conference you, you, you love. Every division has storylines. And today, like I said, we're going to talk about the AFC West. And let's start with the Broncos. The Broncos, to me, are in a in a tough. They're in I, the Broncos know they're in a bad situation. They're in a bad situation because you have a quarterback that you don't trust. To me, the NFL is a quarterback driven league. Now, Quinn, I understand you have you know positions and some of the best players on on some teams are defensive players. I understand that, but you're only going to go as far as your quarterback takes you. And the worst position you can be in in the NFL is not trusting your quarterback and not having a lane to either get a different quarterback or <laughs> that quarterback gets better and 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 like I said we're talking about the Broncos so I'm talking about Drew Locke Drew Locke he has talent don't get me wrong Drew Locke has an incredible arm uh Drew Locke is a mobile quarterback. He has talent. But the problem with Drew Locke is he hasn't really gotten better since his rookie season. And the Broncos, another, 
not only is it bad to not really have faith in your quarterback, but it's bad to be a middle of the pack team. Because if if you look just like the NBA, the middle of the pack team, you're not really good enough. Well, you could possibly sneak into the playoffs, even though I don't think that the Broncos are good enough to make it to the playoffs, but you could possibly sneak into the playoffs or you could just miss the playoffs. And if you just miss the playoffs, more than likely you're not going to really have a good draft position unless you do some trades or something like that. So the Broncos are in, the Broncos are just in a tough situation. They have some really good pieces. You know, they have uh, Cortland Sutton. You know, he's a wide receiver. Of course, he's coming off an injury. So, but he's still, when he's at his best, he's still a great player. You have Devon, uh, Von Miller, who, of course, is coming back, who you know who Von Miller is. They have a young, or the Patrick Sertan II, who we the the jury's out, but he could very possibly be the best defensive player that's a rookie. So he could potentially win defensive rookie of the year. It's just, you know, again, this this team right here, which is the Broncos, is a prime example of you're only as good as your quarterback takes you. Because, again, this team is talented. Like I said, you have Judy, uh, Jerry Judy. You have some good pieces. It's just they, you know, and, and again, it goes back to when we talked about last episode with Tua Tagovailoa. And the Dolphins, while no, the Broncos, the the Broncos don't have, they're they're not, they don't have their their roster isn't as good as the the Dolphins roster, no. But one thing that the Broncos do have is they have incredible pieces. Like I said, Sutton, Judy, uh, Patrick Sertan, Von Miller, and you know how a team feels about you by other moves around the NFL. And what do I mean by that? And I talked about this last episode, and and it definitely pertains to this one. When we heard about everything going on with Aaron Rodgers, right? Aaron Rodgers unhappy. Aaron Rodgers not wanting to return back to Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers done with Green Bay. What was the one of probably the number one destination we heard uh, him going to? And that was the Broncos. And the Broncos tried everything to get Aaron Rodgers. Now, of course, Green Bay really wasn't budging on trying to trade him, but they did everything in their power to get Aaron Rodgers. Now, again, of course, Aaron Rodgers, when Aaron Rodgers is on the market, he just won the MVP. When Aaron Rodgers is on the market, you're going to try what you – you're going to try, especially if you need a quarterback, you're going to try everything in the world to get him. But you didn't hear the Kansas City Chiefs try to get Aaron Rodgers. You didn't hear the Baltimore Ravens try to get Aaron Rodgers. Hell, you didn't – we'll talk about them in a second, but you didn't hear the Chargers try to get Aaron Rodgers. You didn't hear um, the 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 – you didn't hear the the Bronco, uh, the Buccaneers try to get Aaron Rodgers. What are the teams – the teams that you heard try to get Aaron Rodgers was the Broncos and the Dolphins. Drew Locke, I think he's he led the the league in like interception percentage or something like that. Like, of course we know the the Drew Lock the video of him mouthing or or, or lip syncing to, um or singing, the the Jeezy song. But this this 
the Broncos, the Broncos, what the what what they're usually useful, what they what they what their calling card has been the last few years, ever since honestly they won the Super Bowl, was their defense. Of course, and you saw even with the moves that they made this offseason, getting Kyle Fuller from the uh, Bears, um, getting Nate Harrelson from the from the Ravens. They it's a it's a defense first team and that can only take you so far, honestly, especially when you have a an inconsistent quarterback. That's why Drew Locke isn't bad, but he's very inconsistent. And that inconsistentness or inconsistency is one reason why I think when you look when you look up, the Broncos are probably going to be the worst team in this division. Because they 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 don't know what they're gonna get week after week from their quarterback, and they have a tough schedule. Hell, let's not just <laughs> let's not just look out or uh, outside the division. You have to play the 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 Chargers twice and Justin Herbert twice. You have to play Patrick Mahomes twice, and of course the Raiders. And we'll talk about them in a second. But you have to play uh, uh, Derek Carr twice. So. And all of those, all of those teams—the Raiders, the the Chargers, the Chiefs—they know who their quarterback is, and they are confident in their quarterback. Except maybe the Raiders, who we'll talk about in a second, like I said. But I, the Broncos, to me, you know, the the question, honestly, looking up is when I when I think about the Broncos, is a couple, three questions I have when I look at this team. Will Drew Locke be the quarterback by the end of the year? Uh, I think that they're kind of stuck with him right now as far as starting, but we'll see what happens towards the trade deadline. We'll see what happens uh, if, if if he gets, uh, Lord, forbid, Lord forbid, he gets hurt. But I don't think, I think that they're, I'm not going to say they're done with Drew Locke, but I think that they're trying desperately to get a better quarterback in there. So, again, question number one, is Drew Locke going to finish the year out? I say no. If he does not improve, or if he's played like he's, if he continues to play like he played, definitely last year, definitely not. I don't think Drew Locke will will end the season because the 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 Broncos, like I said, they're to me they have a they have a top tier roster, but they're a middle of the they're middle of the pack team because of the limitations that they have on you know at the quarterback position. So the second question is will Patrick Sertan the second be the best defensive player in the draft this is probably one of the best drafts we've seen in a while I mean when you look up you have Patrick Sertan you have Michael Parsa Parsons I'm sorry you have um of course Trey Lance uh, Trevor Lawrence Zach Wilson like this is a this was a a deep deep draft and a lot of people believe that Patrick Sertan was the best defensive player now of course now again well that's that's better we have to see but I think that is that's pretty much <laughs> that's that's the calling card of the Broncos like I said the Broncos is the team that continues to try to improve the defense it's a defensive first team so I think with the players that you have them around you know I think Patrick Sertan has the opportunity especially playing in a in a in a system that is Alabama in college, I think he has a really good shot of winning defensive player, the rookie defensive rookie of the year. So that's question number two. And question number three, Von Miller has dealt with injury uh, injuries last few years. And the question is, 
is he still elite? If he's still elite, you don't really, to me, have to worry about um, have to worry about the defense. Now I understand it's one player, but you don't really have to worry about the defense if Von Miller's good, because uh, I think Patrick Sertan's going to kind of feed off him. I know they play two different positions, but which Von Miller are we getting? That's the question, pretty much. Which Von Miller are we getting? The elite, uh, probably future Hall of Fame Von Miller. Are we getting the Von Miller that suffered through injuries the last few years? So, I think that the Broncos have a lot of questions that they have going into the season, probably more than a lot of teams. The, they're probably the only question. Not to mention they have a you know their coach. It, it, their coach is good, but again, when your when your quarterback is is your biggest liability. That uh, that doesn't bode well. So we'll ha- definitely have to see where that goes. Let's go over to the to Las Vegas Raiders. The Las Vegas Raiders. Now I was probably it's funny. We talked about when the draft happened. We talked about who had the best draft and who had the worst draft. And one team on my list that had probably the best draft or one of the best drafts, or the Chargers. You know, they attacked what they needed to attack, which was the offensive line uh, and the defense. Of course, they have a new coach in there. I thought they had one of the best drafts. Who I thought had one of the worst drafts were the Raiders. And it wasn't just the draft. It was the off- You know, the, the moves that they made, giving up two, uh, two starting defense, I mean, uh, offensive line players when their biggest – struggle last year was the offensive line not to mention you let uh, Nelson Aguilar walk while I don't think he's a top tier receiver he was their best receiver pretty much uh last year but when you look at their draft they oh man they they reached one with Alex Leatherwood like they got him first round it it just they just didn't have a good draft in my opinion but but Here's the thing, and here's the thing about the Raiders, man. The Raiders remind me of a team that swings for the fences with the names. And what I mean by that is, you know, you can have a a, a team full of really good players, and the Raiders have a team full of really good players. I mean, when you look at it, you have Darren Waller who is arguably the third best uh, tight end in the league and probably second best receiving tight end in the league next to Travis Kelsey. You have Derek Carr, who a lot of people throws Derek Carr. Like, a lot of people pretty much forget. He, I think he's underrated. I think he's underrated. Derek Carr, when he's healthy and he has a healthy offensive line, he still, in my opinion, can arguably be a top 10 quarterback. Uh Closer to 10 than one, of course. But Derek Carr is still uh, a serviceable player. Um, you know, they have Josh Jacob, who I think finished second in finished second in rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year. They have Willie Sneed, who they just got from the from the Ravens. Now, Willie Sneed, they're, they're, they're hoping that Willie Sneed is going to try to fill that um, Nelson Aguilar spot. You have Henry Ruggs, who's a speedster. They they hope he can turn into like a Tyreek Hill type situation. Uh, they brought in Kenyon Drake, which is another reason why I was so confused about their offseason was because why are you giving up two offensive linemen when, but when your biggest 
free agent swing was to get Kenyon Drake. And then you go into the draft and get a player in Alex Leatherwood who isn't better than the two players that you gave up. And you didn't really have to – you didn't have to pay them much. Like, you had the room to pay them. You just wanted to give them up in trades and stuff. So that – I understand that. And then, of course, you have Jonathan Abrams, who was an incredible young defensive player, uh, safety. It Again, this team has talent as far as the players. But this team just has a lot of holes. And they're, in my opinion, they're self-created holes. Like, you know that your offensive line is horrible. Or let me say this, not horrible. You know your offensive line wasn't good. Your offensive line was one of the worst offensive lines in the league last year. And what do you do? <laughs> you give up your two best offensive linemen and then reach for Alex Leatherwood in the draft. Now, don't get me wrong. Shouts out to Alex Leatherwood. You deserve to be in the NFL. I'm not saying you're you're trash. I'm not saying you're a bum. But, I, but what I'm saying is... There are people, there were players better than Alex Leatherwood at the position that the Raiders picked. And the players that they gave up are better than Alex Leatherwood. I mean, they have more experience, they're just better. So, and Alex Leatherwood can turn out, can come out and be a, an incredible player. He could be a Hall of Famer. I, if I'm wrong, I will be the first person to come up here and admit that I'm wrong. But it doesn't seem like it. And the, the you know, it's not just the Alex Leatherwood thing. The Raiders always swing. I don't I think it's the John Gruden thing, seeing though he pretty much has the most the or the loudest voice in the organization. But remember when they uh what, Kellen Farrell, the dude from uh Clemson, like <laughs> that was a reach. While he's been okay, he hasn't been he hasn't been that great. Like, I don't I don't I just don't know the direction that they're trying to go in. Um I really don't. I mean, you get John Brown from the, you know, from the Buffalo Bills, but that's not really, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I have no idea. And I think, I think that's the, that's the craziest part, man. I haven't, you have no idea what they're doing. Um, You, you, at, if you talk to some of the fans, uh, shouts out to homie that does the Raiders spotlight podcast. You listen to him. He don't <laughs> And he's like a diehard Raiders fan. They don't know what they're doing. The Raiders, the Raiders, well, let me say this. The Raiders may know, but looking on the outside, you really don't know what they're doing. And I think that that is a, the only reason. That's why, that's why, that's what, that's what I want to say. The only reason why I think that they will be better than the Broncos is because of Derek Carr. Derek Carr is a better quarterback than Drew Locke. And I think that I think that they're they're, you know, Derek Carr, the Derek Carr, uh Darren Waller, Henry Ruggs, that John Brown, uh uh Willie Sneed, though that core, wow no, it's not a great core. And they're coming off an eight and eight season. Uh I, I just think that I think Derek Carr, in fact, I'm sure Derek Carr is better than Drew Locke. And that's the only reason why I believe that they're going to have a better season than the Broncos. I I think that both of the teams have incredible, talented players. But as a team as a whole, I don't think that either one of those teams are that good, honestly. Uh, Again, 
I think as a team, as a team, the Broncos may be better than the Raiders, but the Raiders have better players, you know. Do I think they're a better team? No, but I think that they have better players. Like, I don't think that they're – there's anybody on the Broncos that's better than uh, Darren Waller. I don't think uh, when we look at the Drew Locke uh, against Derek Carr, I mean, I think Derek Carr wins that 10 times out of 10. I do think that, uh, again, the defense, the Broncos defense is better. I don't think that the Raiders have a better receiver, even though you have John Brown and Henry Ruggs. I don't think they have a better receiver than Jerry Judy, but – or Cortland Sutton, but he has to stay healthy. So I, I don't know, man. It, <laughs> I think that those two, well, yes, I didn't say that this was the best division, but I did say that this is an interesting division. Because, again, you for the storylines, you don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what the hell the Raiders are doing. I don't really know, or you don't really know what the hell the Broncos are going to do because of the inconsistent play of Drew Locke. So, you know, I... It's interesting to see, and I'm definitely, I'm definitely excited to see how this, how the AFC West outside of the top team plays out. Let's go to the Chargers. The Chargers, to me, ah oh man, you know what the Chargers remind me of, man. The Chargers remind me so much of the what 2018 slash nine or no, yeah, 2018 slash 19 Houston Rockets, man. I think if there was no Chiefs, right? If there weren't, if there, if the Chiefs weren't there, just like if Golden State wasn't there, I think the Rockets and the Chargers would be a lot better, or we'd revere them a lot more than they would, than we do. But again, <laughs> that's not the case, and that's 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 a high regard, you know. The, the Chargers is one of those teams, man, where they have the – I shouts out to, to Anthony Lynn. Uh, I think he's a good coach. I just think that towards the end – you know, when you're, when you're a coach and you're a team that continues to lose close games, I think that's more of the coaching staff outside of the players. And the, the, the Chargers believe that too, which is why he got out of there and they have a new coach now. Um, but – the Chargers have players, man. Like, you have Mike Williams. He just has to continue to stay healthy. And that's one thing that he struggled with, man. You have Mike Pouncey, the center. Uh, he, it has some good – of course, Keenan Allen, who I think is probably one of the more underrated um, underrated wide receivers in the game. You have Joey Bosa – no, yeah, Joey Bosa, who, of course, is – Joey Bosa. You have Chris Harris, who they got from the Broncos. Like, this team is great. You have Austin Eckler, who has been a really good, surprising player uh, at running back position. They have, this is a good team. And, and of course, it's being led by the reigning offensive rookie of the year, which is Justin Herbert. Um, I'm an Oregon fan. I think I'm more of an Oregon fan because of their jerseys, but I'm an Oregon fan when it comes to college football. And I firsthand watched majority of the Oregon games, even though they come on late as hell. They come on like 1030, like like foot, like basketball games and, and football games. College football games are longer, so that was uh, tough. But I watched a lot of Oregon games, um, 
And I will be the first to say that I did not see uh, Justin Herbert being this good. In fact, you can go to past episodes. I was saying, yeah, I don't, I don't see where the hype is for Justin Herbert. I'm starting to, well, I definitely, I've already, I've already come on here and said that I was wrong, but I'm starting to realize Justin Herbert, Oregon isn't the best program when it comes to talent around the quarterback, but you know, he's had, he isn't Marcus Mariota. Like Marcus Mariota when he was in Oregon was just different, but he is, he was an incredible quarterback. And you see, once you put pieces around him, what, what happens? I mean, again, I think that this team is good enough to win the division if the Chiefs weren't there. Now, again, I know that's easy to say because it's like, you know, of course, it's, if the Chiefs weren't there, there's only three more teams. But honestly, if you really look at the AFC, this team, in my opinion, is good enough if it wasn't for some of the – like if it wasn't for the Chiefs, I think that this team could win the AFC. I think that this team can matches up very well, or at least last year. Now, again, we have to see the the continuation, and we have to see you know how Justin Herbert does coming because nobody really saw, saw him coming. Even though he, I think he broke a rookie, he broke the rookie record for touchdowns. How is he going to improve on that? If he improves, this team is good enough, you know, on paper, top to bottom, to be a top team in the AFC. Just like the the just like I said the Miami uh, not Miami just like the 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 Houston Rockets when they had James Harden when they had uh, Chris Paul when they had PJ Tucker like this hell they they almost beat the Golden State Warriors in the Western Conference Finals it just again Chris Paul got hurt they started jacking and missing threes you have Steph Curry on the other end you have KD you have uh, Clay Thompson like it's just a tough road. But I, I think this this roster, the thing that was, one thing that was holding this roster back, of course, was the quarterback play. Because if you remember, Phillip Rivers had a tough time getting them over the hump, even though he's an incredible, incredible quarterback and probably going to win a Hall of Fame or probably going to make it to the Hall of Fame. To me, he just his limitations uh, definitely was glaring when he was when when they got close to the playoffs, if they even made it to the playoffs. Uh and then I think that Anthony Lynn, I think he, he – I don't know if it was because of his preparation. I don't know what it was, but I just – there's there should be no reason why you lose that many close games. Uh, I think he, he probably has lost upwards of five to six close games, like, and that, that just can't happen. Games that's, like, within ten points or something like that. But this team, and I'll say it, I, if you hey, if you don't agree, leave in the comments. We'll talk about it. But this team is good enough, man. This team, from top to bottom, is good enough to win the AFC if it wasn't for um, the Chiefs, man. I, I can see this team beating uh, a Ravens team. I can see this team beating uh, a Steelers team. I can see this team beating a Colts. I can see this team beating uh, a a Browns team, you know, it's, I can see it happening because of the play of Justin Herbert, because they have an incredible defense, because they have uh Keenan Allen and, and an incredible offensive, offensive firepower. It's just, they run into the, they, they have the chiefs and they squad. I mean, they have the chiefs in their division, they have the chiefs in the AFC, but you know, 
I think Justin, I think that because there's an extra game as as far as what seventeen games, because they're adding a playoff team, uh, an extra playoff team. I think that the the Chargers can definitely make it to the playoffs. It really depends on what happens. And I didn't even mention Derwin James, who is one of the best defense or young best defense player defensive players in the league. Um, so it really just depends on. I I think it really it depends on Justin Justin Herbert, and I think I I am I am gone are the days where I uh, doubt Justin Herbert. Do I think Justin Herbert is the best quarterback in the league? No, uh, but I do think that he's good enough. If he continues to improve, he's good enough to get them to the playoffs. He just isn't on the you know he's not on Patrick Mahomes level, but I mean is really anybody in the league so. Uh, yeah, man. I, the Chargers, in my opinion, they just have been dealt a tough hand year after year after year. Whether it's uh poor quarterback play, poor coaching, um, and they're just in a tough division. But you know, that's that's the Chargers. And then with the Chiefs, man, it's it's the Chiefs, man. It's it's the Chiefs. The Chiefs, ugh. you know. The saying "the rich get richer" definitely, um, definitely applies to the Chiefs. Um, you lose Eric Fisher, you lose two of your top uh, offensive linemen, and of course, that's the, in my opinion, the biggest reason why you lose the Super Bowl against the the Bucks. Because I mean, as you saw. Patrick Mahomes running for his life the entire game. I think his stat came out. He was ran for like 500 plus yards before, you know, behind the line of scrimmage and like that. Like that's how much he didn't have protection. And the fact that you go out and you get Orlando Brown, who is arguably the best or one of the best uh, offensive linemen in the league from the Ravens, you also get Kyle Long, who was retired, but he wasn't retired because he sucked. He was retired because he just didn't want to, you know, he didn't want to play no more. Uh, but he comes back now. I think he did get get hurt himself, but I think he he should be back. You know, towards the 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 beginning of the season. Um, the Chiefs are just the Chiefs will be playing, trying to get to their third straight Super Bowl. Um, and honestly. I don't I don't really see a team that can stop them in the AFC from doing that. Cuz if you look, man, and we'll talk about the AFC North um we'll talk about the AFC North next next episode, but that's Lamar's biggest ch- Lamar can beat Lamar Jackson has has proven that he can beat any quarterback in the league outside of uh, Patrick Mahomes. The Tennessee Titans is an incredible team. Incredible defense has, you know, AJ AJ Brown, Julio Jones now. Uh they have Derrick Henry, but Ryan Tannehill isn't keeping up with Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs have the best quarterback in the in the league in my opinion, Patrick Mahomes. They have the best tight end in my opinion, in Travis Kelsey, and they have one of a top 5 receiver in the league at this point right now in in and Tyreek Hill. And that 
that has I haven't said anything about Nicole Harmon. I haven't said anything, like I said, about Orlando Brown getting them now. It's this team. You know, it's it's it's, it's a, the question. The question is, how many games are they going to win? Last year they won. They went fourteen and fourteen and two. I don't. I think they can duplicate that. I think they can duplicate that. I think again. There's they need to integrate some more pieces, uh, or they need to integrate the new pieces they have as far as the offensive line and stuff like that. But when you're going into battle with Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, like there's not much you can do. Hell, I I witnessed I I was I was at the game uh, when they played the Ravens uh, in Baltimore, and. I just saw the gap, man. Is there's a gap between the Chiefs and most of the teams they play? And with pa- when Patrick Mahomes is perfectly healthy, you pretty much there's the I don't see a team in the AFC that can really beat. Now, as a team as a whole, there's of course teams. Maybe the Ravens get lucky. Maybe the Browns uh, see what the Colts do with their defense. Um, because you know they got DeForest Buckner, they have some really good players. But that's, I don't really see a team, man. I don't see a team that can that can knock, especially in playoff time. Like I don't, I don't see it. I'm sorry, this is not a bigger deep dive from the Chiefs. The Chiefs are just that good. And until somebody knocks them off, I it's it's hard for me to see. And when I say knock them off, I'm talking about in the AFC. Until somebody knocks them off uh, in the AFC, I, to me, they're just the creme de la creme of the of the AFC so with that being said man I rank in the AFC West it's the Chiefs number one the Chargers well let me say Chiefs number one a wide gap Chargers number two another wide gap and then the Raiders and and Broncos are pretty much going back and forth so that you know that that that's what I see in the AFC West again Next episode, I'm going to conclude the AFC with the AFC North. And I wanted to finish with that because to me, that is the most interesting division in the AFC, which is, of course, the Ravens, the Browns, the um, Steelers, and one more team. Totally forgot. But the AFC North uh, is, to me, the most interesting. Oh, and the Bengals. And the most interesting uh, division. And we'll talk about that next episode. But. That was the AFC West. So, um, yeah, man, it's it's to me this the AFC West. It's it's one and then the rest. Now, when I say the no one, a, a very far two and then three and four. So, because I again, and I said if the charge if if the Chiefs were not in the AFC West and the Chiefs were not in the AFC, I think that the Chargers have enough. A lot of people will put them as a dark horse team. Um, and I would put them as a dark horse team. I just don't think that they can uh, beat the Chargers. I mean, beat the Chiefs. But if there was no Chiefs, I, the Chargers is a good enough team to make it to the Super Bowl. They just they don't have Patrick Mahomes. Um, but yeah, that's the AFC West, man. That's the AFC West. So moving forward, man, the preseason. I, I was talk. I talked earlier about the the Field of Dreams game, and I was watching that and going back and forth between the Field of Dream game and the 
the New England Patriot and Washington football team preseason game. And a question, you know, watching the game, a question started to arise, man. I've, 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 I've been a, for people that watch this or listen to this podcast, watch this podcast, come to this channel, you know that I've been a pretty big proponent of Cam Newton. Um, I've, I've championed Cam Newton. Um, a lot of people, you know, like to bash Cam Newton. I'm not one of those people, but the question after watching that preseason game was, was evident. And the question is, man, is Mac Jones going to start for Cam Newton or going to start for the Patriots? And honestly, it's not as much of what Cam Newton can't do. I think it's more of what the Patriots are. Like, what are the Patriots? The Patriots is a, is a, is a system that it's not a system really built for a mobile quarterback. Um, it's not really a system built for a quarterback that is has a big personality. Um, it's 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 a it's a it's a, it's not for a it's not a system built for a quarterback that probably flourishes most when he ad libs. Um, Mac Jones is not the best quarterback in that the Patriots have. Let me say that. In fact, Mac Jones is not better than Cam Newton. That's no, he's not. But is he better for the Patriots? Cam Newton, as much as I I care for Cam Newton, I'm not blind. I know Cam Newton isn't the the most accurate quarterback. Even and and don't get me wrong, with me saying this, Cam Newton still had a really good game, uh, or really good opening drive for the or opening two drives for the Patriots. You know, he looked good outside of maybe two plays. He did throw a, a wild screen pass and of course the the fumble after the um after the Chase Young Chase Young hit. I think you have to be more aware that Chase Young is coming. But outside of that, you know, he got the ball out quick. He 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 made good good throws. He didn't overthrow, he didn't underthrow outside of the screen screen pass, but that's just two plays. I mean, it is what it is. But watching watching Cam Newton and then watching Mac Jones, I mean, at the end of the game, Mac Jones went 19 or no, 3 for nine, 13 for 19 for 87 yards. He looked like the type of quarterback that um he looked like the type of quarterback that the Patriots would want. You know, he he doesn't Mac and we we talked about this and we knew that this was the case during the draft, man, when they drafted him, we knew, you know, he is the prototypical quarterback that, you know, Bill Belichick wants and the New England Patriots want. So while no, I don't think that he is the best player. He's the best quarterback. Um, I don't think he's the best quarterback in New England. I think that's Cam Newton. But I do think that I don't think I think Cam Newton's going to start game one. But if you go down maybe game six to game seven, it really depends on not only the record, but it depends on how Cam Newton looks. I think if Cam Newton looks okay, they might go in a different direction. I think if he looks incredible, they, he, he's going to force their hand. He, he, they have to continue to start him. But if he's okay, and they, they have some tough defenses that 
defenses that have to play the first five or six weeks. Um, of course, we know about how, you know, the famous struggle that um, the famous September struggles that Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots go through. If Cam Newton, if they look up and they're, what, three and three or two and four going into week six, then I think that you're going to see Mac Jones start again. Mac Jones isn't the most exciting quarterback. He's not, he doesn't have the best arm. If we just go back to the quarterbacks picked in this draft, he doesn't have the best arm. He doesn't have the best. He's not the he's not a mobile quarterback at all. Uh, what he does is he re, he has good reads. He he understands how to uh, he sees the play. You know he he sees what he needs to see at the line of scrimmage. He gets the ball out fast. Um, he doesn't have the best arm, but he can still throw it. So you're you're getting a a solid quarterback now. Do I I think his ceiling is low because he's not a mobile quarterback because he played in the system where you're having top of the line athletes in Alabama and then you go to New England where you know you don't have the best the best teammates around you uh, as far as talent wise. I think that you know the ceiling for Mac Jones is low, but. I think that the type of quarterback and the type of system that New England runs is, and we, we kind of knew this when they picked him up, is is it, it kind of tailor-made for Mac Jones more than it is for Cam Newton. Now, do I think if Cam Newton doesn't start uh, come week six or whatever, do I think it's over for Cam Newton? No, I don't. I do think that Cam, now I understand he's, what, 32, I believe. Um, of course, he, he's dealt with his, his fair share of injuries in the, in the past. But I do think that he still has, you know, he, he still has game left in him. I just think that – and I think this goes back to last year. You know, the biggest question was, does Cam Newton fit the New England system? And we all know what the New England system is. I, and, and that was a big question now. Cam Newton did the best he could, especially with the, the turbulent season that not only the New England Patriots had, but the league had in general, of course, with COVID and everything. But – um, and of course, Cam Newton catching COVID and getting picked up late for um, historically a tough system in the New England Patriots. So I I, I don't know, man. I, I think Cam Newton looked good uh, when he when he did play the few drives that he did in in the first preseason. I think uh, Mac Jones looked good when he played. And he had significant more time than Cam Newton. I just think that watching Mac Jones and watching Cam. It, it, it kind of just showed – well, it, it – you saw the type of quarterback that New England Patriots want in Mac Jones. That does That's not a knock on camera or anything, but you saw the type of quarterback that Bill Belichick wants in Mac Jones. And I, I, I we really need to see what the Patriots look like come probably week five or six. If they're struggling to keep afloat – then it's it, it probably over with as far as Cam Newton starting. Um, but but we'll have to see. We'll definitely have to see, man. And another story, and probably the story that's been the most confusing uh, last or yeah last week was the Michael Thomas versus the Saints thing, man. And this this to me, this story is why I am so conf- now again. I don't we don't know the entire. Uh, story. Of course, we hear one side, we hear the other side. But this story 
is one reason why I am so confused or I, I get upset when I hear the whole loyalty thing. Now, the story with this is Michael Thomas, as we know, he's last year was tough for him dealing with the injury. Um, he got injured in a play in garbage time minutes. Uh, and, it, and the play wasn't even like for him. He, I th- he got his ankle rolled up on. Um, and of course, he was out. Reports are saying that the team told him to wait. The team first cleared him and told him to hold off surgery. The team told him to hold off surgery, and if they would have got surgery at the moment, he probably would have missed the rest of the season, but he'll be good now. Uh, But the team told him to hold off surgery, continue to play, and as we saw, Michael Thomas did not look right at all last season. And we knew it was because he wasn't, you know, healthy. And of course he missed the end of the season because it just got it just got too bad. And then he elected to wait until late. I think he elected to wait like extremely late until to get the surgery. So now he's gonna miss probably majority of the season this year. And of course you're hearing back and forth. Uh you're hearing the 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 Saints say, you know, he hasn't communicated with them in months, then you're seeing, you know, Michael Thomas like tweets saying, you know, the Ravens, I mean, not Ravens, the, the Saints uh, are, are the reason, you know, how are you getting upset with me? But the Saints are, are the reason why this is happening and they lied to me in this and the third. And now, of course, you're hearing them saying that, you know, Michael Thomas and Sean Payton, the head coach, are trying to patch it up. But this is this is this story is why I always I, I I get the whole loyalty thing, but I don't understand at the same time. It's because I understand that you don't want to be considered a player that uh, just continues to bounce from you know place to place to place to place. I understand that. I get that. But um, a team is always going to do what's best for them, always. It doesn't matter your health. It doesn't. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter how much money you make them. The team is always going to do what's best for them. There should be no reason. We all saw and knew that Michael Thomas was not healthy last year, and the fact that a report came out saying that the team told him to hold off surgery is is crazy to me. But then again, if you if they tell you to hold off surgery and you go and and just are god awful, they will trade you or they'll drop you in a heartbeat. I don't again, I don't know what the truth is. I don't know who's telling you. I don't know what's what's going on, but I do know that Michael Thomas and the Saints are in a bad spot. And let's go back to a marriage analogy. When you or, or or let's just go into a relationship analogy. When you start airing out your grievances on social media and or 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 when you feel the best way to air out all your dirty laundry is through social media and not communicate with the person, you pretty much know the relationship is over. Now again, you can rec- you can come back and you can you can reconcile uh this the situation, but that's very rare. It's hard for me, and, and and for people that want to say, but what about Aaron Rodgers? You know, Aaron Rodgers didn't do much talking until the end, and he's back with the with the uh, Packers. First and foremost, they restructured his deal. He's gone after this year. 
do not think that he, there's a chance in heaven or hell that he's coming back to the Packers. Don't, 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 please God, don't think that. He's gone. And while, yeah, he is more financially smart to play this year out, which he knows, he is gone. Look at look at any other play. Look at Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs looked looked miserable in Minnesota, and as soon as he said, "Yo, I I, I don't want to be here anymore. I'm out. I can't do this." Uh, he he taking you know he's liking tweets saying Kirk Cousins overweighted uh, overrated and garbage. He's he's out the first thing smoking to Buffalo, and now look you know he 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 pretty much transformed the Buffalo's offense. Once you start airing out your grievances for a team on social media without talking to them, especially for two months, yeah, nah, it's over. I'm not saying that he's not going to come back. I'm not saying that this can't be rectified. But trust and believe, it's very rare to rectify something like, like it's not, that's not something that you usually see. Um, And, again, we'll have to see what happens. But I, I don't know, man. I don't. It's just it's it's tough, man. It's tough because I just you don't. Usually, when you start airing airing out grievances on social media, it's because you feel you can't talk to the organization, um, or you don't want to talk to the organization, or you lost trust in the organization, and this is the organization that's paying you millions upon millions of dollars so the fact that you don't even trust them enough or want to talk to them that speaks volumes so um i i'm definitely interested to see how this plays out uh and and, and another thing that that isn't lost on me in this situation is the wide receiver position even though there are some world-class talented wide receivers there's julio jones uh Deon, uh deandre hopkins Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill, Michael Thomas. There was an argument probably two two or three years ago that Michael Thomas could be the best wide receiver in the game. There was an argument. I mean, he him the Drew Brees connection with him, him and Drew Brees connection was damn near unstoppable. But the thing about wide receivers is they're at a premium like People view wide receivers um, as just ex- like we can. People uh, pretty much view wide receivers we easily replaceable, and the fact that they'll tra- they'll trade a, f- a wide receiver faster than they'll trade a quarterback that's disgruntled. Hell, we're still trying to figure out when the hell Deshaun Watson will be traded. We're. <laughs> You see how hard it was for or how long and how messy it took to trade Carson Wentz from the Eagles? Or you see how tough and how how messy it got with Green Bay and people that think it's resolved and it's just put on hold for for this year. But trust me, he's gone after next season. But wide receivers, hell, Julio Jones out. To the Tennessee. Hell, uh, Odell Beckham Jr., probably the best wide receiver arguably the Giants have had in damn near 20, 30 years. 
gone like that to the to the uh, to the to the Browns. Hell, and the Browns were thinking about trading him again or trading him. So it's just interesting to see how this is going to play out, especially the you know seeing the hit injury history with Michael Thomas now, which is why I just oh man, it it frustrates me, man, because. Yeah, there's an injury history, but the team didn't do well. If if the reports are right, the team didn't do, didn't do the best for him. The team did what's best for for the team, which is always going to happen. And if they would have done what's best for him, as soon first of all, he wouldn't have been in their garbage minutes. You, you they were up like 17 points with like two minutes left. Unless they're playing freaking Aaron Rodgers, there's no no chance of coming back. And I think I don't think they were. So it's like. You don't you endanger him at that point, and he feels like you know he, I got hurt for no reason, pretty much. And then you tell me to wait, but then yet, if my production goes down because of my injury, and it's easily tradable. So it just it, it it sucks, man. It sucks, but you know we'll we'll definitely see have to see how it goes. So and and, and it's definitely interesting because this is the last thing the Saints need, especially. Uh, th- it's a new era for the Saints. You know, we've we've known the, this to be the Drew Brees team for the longest, and now that this will be the first year that Drew Brees, you know, has re- is retired. Uh, you have Jameis Winston, probably, you know, more than likely starting. You want every, you need everything else around them to be okay. You need the wide receiver core to be all right. You need Alvin Kamara in the running game to be good. You need the defense to be as good as it's been the last few years. So. This is the last thing that you need is this type of turmoil going into a season that already has a lot of question marks and already has a lot of uh, quote unquote new beginnings. You know what I mean? So um, it, it's just interesting, and in the especially in the division that the Saints are in, you know this that this is the last thing that they need. So uh, we'll definitely see. it's definitely interesting, and and I. I want to know how this how this turns out and how this plays out. Will out will Michael Thomas be on this team by week? I don't know five six. It's definitely interesting to see. So, you know, we'll see. Moving forward. So let's let's go over to a little bit of basketball, man. Um. <laughs> so the summer league is going on right now, and now the now I understand. That the summer league is not the NBA as far as the the it's not a good representation as far as the talent as far as team wide that you're gonna play, like hell for some reason, uh, Taylor Horton Tucker for the Lakers isn't playing. I don't know why, but he's not playing. Like you know, you you're not getting the star athletes playing uh, in the summer league, but. That doesn't negate the fact that every single game I watch, man, it's it just reminds me of how different and how good the league is now. And how how man, if you look any given night, the, the biggest draw um was Cade Cunningham played Jalen Green uh the uh, last week and they both were incredible. I think Cade Cunningham had like twenty points, and and Jalen Green had uh, twenty five. But it's not just that, man. It's the talent that is in this league right now, and coming into this league as a ro- as rookies is is 
man. Like, if you look, man, Cade Cunningham has been incredible. Jalen Green, you can have an argument, what you've seen in the summer league, that he could have been the number one player. Now, I think that the 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 ceiling for Jalen Green is lower than the ceiling for Cade Cunningham, and I think Cade Cunningham has a lot more intangibles that Jalen Green doesn't have, but Jalen Green is still a monster. Now, Jalen Green is out with, uh, I think, hamstring tightness for the rest of the summer league, so I hope that that doesn't sideline him for, you know, preseason and everything and training camp, but... Uh, I hope he gets well soon, but he's going to be out for the rest of the summer league. But even still, the talent that we're seeing from Kay Cunningham, from Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, Suggs, I said Suggs, Ooh. Jalen Suggs has been incredible. We saw a putback dunce. He had 25 points the other night. Uh, Sharif Cooper, who went late in the or who went in the second round, who a lot of people thought was good enough to be in the first round for the Atlanta Hawks. I don't know how that's going to work with Trey Young, but we see him hitting game winners. Uh, Jonathan Kaminga. Now, what you're starting to see is, you know, with Jalen Green, with Jonathan Kaminga, they they look different than a lot of other people, not because of just the talent, but playing in the G League is not playing in college. Playing in the G League, you're playing with grown men. Now, understandably, there are some players that's in, that's in college that's better than G League players, but playing against grown men, kind of playing a, a quote-unquote NBA-type schedule, it, it definitely shows. And Jonathan Kaminga looks incredible. Jonathan Kaminga looks de- – now, we understand he's a project. He still needs to work on his uh, his, his shooting. But he looks he looks a lot further than I thought he would be. Um, Evan Mobley looks good. He looks like he can be uh, – I know the comp is is Chris Bosh, but he looks like he could be better than Chris Bosh, especially when we talk about the defensive side of the ball. And Cam Thomas, man, uh, the Brooklyn pick, who a lot of I think he went to LSU. Like <laughs> he has, he looks like he's good enough to to. I'm not gonna say start for Brooklyn. That's that's no, but he looks like he will be playing some very important minutes for Brooklyn. Brooklyn. All I'm saying is, man. These players coming into the league, man, it's just different. And that's not – there's a lot of players I didn't mention, man. And these second-year players look good too. Like Trey Jones looked good. He had 32 the other night. Like it's just – the league is in is in good hands, man. The league is in good, good hands. And I'm, I'm excited to see what's, what's, what's moving forward. I think – Right now, I'm still going to put my money on Cade Cunningham being the best player out of this draft uh, because of, you know, his intangibles, the, the ceiling, his his shot-making ability, his shot-creating ability, his defensive ability, his height, his, his, you know, his ball handling. He does everything, in my opinion. Um, so I think he'll be the best, but I wouldn't be surprised if you look up and Jalen Green is the best player out of this draft or Jalen Suggs or Jonathan Kaminga plays a huge part for Golden State. Or if he gets traded or whatever, another team. Evan Mobley looks up and damn, Evan Mobley's one of the best uh, fours. And like, I wouldn't be surprised, you know. And that's just how good that this draft has been. And it's, we knew that this was a deep draft. Hell, everyone was saying before the draft that this is one of the deepest drafts, uh, probably since what 2003. Not saying it, it's on the same level as 2003, but one of the deep drafts since then. And we're and we're seeing it. We're seeing we're seeing people that didn't even that were undrafted hooping. So it's man, the league is in good hands, man. The league is in good hands and it's it's exciting to see. I, I'm excited to see, you know, what happens uh moving forward 
in, in definitely this season coming up and and especially how these players look when the stars come um like how how does Jonathan Kaminga play alongside Draymond Green and and Steph and Clay when he comes back uh Moody how does he play how does Cade Cunningham can he take control of the Pistons or you know how does he play with uh with a Jeremy Grant how does uh is Jalen Green and Josh Christopher are they going to be able to play with John Wall if John Wall's still there or or Christian Wood it's just interesting to see man uh, like I just talked about, how is Sharif going to play alongside Trey Young? Um, it's 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 going to be it's going to be interesting. It's going to be Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes can he can he co coincide with Patrick's uh, Patrick with uh, Siakam? So uh, Pascal Siakam. So I'm just it's interesting to see, man. And and I'm just. I'm just in awe to see how good these players are, especially this fast. Now, again, I understand the summer league is not. The best talent isn't in the summer league, but you're seeing these players ball out. I mean, at the end of the day, they're still good players in the summer league. So, you know, I'm excited to see, you know, what 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 it looks like moving forward. So, you know, so moving forward. So Kawhi Leonard, we we all knew he was pretty much going to resign with the with the Clippers, but he resigns, signs a four year, one hundred and seventy six million dollar uh, max deal to stay with the Clippers. And I said we were going to talk. I I said I was going to talk about this, and now I can't pretty much hold it off. Kawhi Leonard is an incredible player. He's an incredible player. He is arguably uh, the best two-way player in the league. He he's an he is an incredible talent. He could be one of the top 10 defensive players ever as far as on-ball defense. Kawhi Leonard is just that good. And it makes sense. I understand why anybody would would give Kawhi Leonard a four-year, $176 million deal. I understand that. But the question is this. And it's hard to really... It's hard to it's hard to fathom it a little bit, but is Kawhi Leonard worth that much for the Clippers? Oh, you know what? Let me say, is Kawhi Leonard worth that much as far as his production? Kawhi Leonard won a championship with the Spurs. He also won a championship with with Toronto. Now, now, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> when you look at that championship with Toronto. Toronto was an incredible team. Uh, he was, of course, the leader uh, when you have him, Kyle Lowry. Uh, Danny Green was playing good. OG Adenobi came, and he was playing good. Uh, Pascal Siakam was playing out of his mind in the in, in the finals. Uh, Serge Ibaka was very important. They won a championship, and, of course, he was the best player. He was their best player, most important player. But let's not forget how many. Let's not forget what happened, not not only on the road to the NBA Finals, but when they got there, it took an incredible four bounce game winner in Game Seven uh, against the Philadelphia 76ers to to do that. And of course, they beat Giannis and the Bucks fair and square. Yeah, but when they got to the championship. Steph was hurt. 
KD was hurt and missed. I mean, he only played like 11 minutes of the entire finals with a ruptured Achilles. Klay Thompson got hurt. Boogie was not 100%. Um, it's just the team broke down. Now, why do I ask, is Kawhi Leonard worth the four years, $176 million for the Clippers? What do you get out of Kawhi? You get a, when he's on the floor, you know, Kawhi Leonard is still an incredible player, still probably arguably one of, if not the best two-way player in the game, but you're getting someone that you know is not going to play all of this or the whole season. While yes, he does play some of his best basketball or he does play his best basketball in the playoffs. You're not really getting a leader. You're not getting a person that can galvanize a team. You're not getting a person that can galvanize the uh, galvanize. Like if y'all are down, as we saw, you're not going to get someone that can rally. You're not getting a real vocal leader. And then the th- the thing that I question most is we saw what the Clippers look like with Kawhi Leonard out. Now, no, 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 no. Do not hear me say I'm not saying that the Clippers can win a championship without Kawhi Leonard. I'm not saying that at all. The Clippers cannot win a championship with Kawhi Leonard. If, if Paul George is your best player, you're not winning a championship. That's no offense to Paul George. Paul George is still an incredible player. At his best, he's still a top 10 player, arguably. But you're not winning a championship if, if Paul George is your best player. You can win a championship if Kawhi Leonard is your best player, but you cannot win a championship if Paul George is your best player. However, you also, and it's weird, as good as Kawhi Leonard is, and he is good, he is great, he is arguably a top five player in the league. Kawhi Leonard, his, as, I don't, how do I say it, man? Kawhi Leonard's ceiling and floor is incredible when you think about it. When Kawhi Leonard's at his best, and of course his team around him is playing at his best, they're a championship caliber team. That's why a lot of people picked the Clippers when they first got Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. That's why a lot of people picked the Clippers last year. But we've also seen the floor. We've also seen Kawhi Leonard on the team that has lost, that was, that, you know, was down or blew a 3 1 lead to um blew a 3-1 lead we also saw the team that was for seven games to the Dallas Mavericks we also saw the team without Kawhi Leonard that looked incredible against Utah this year and that damn near beat the Phoenix Suns to make it to the Western Conference I mean we get to the uh uh NBA Finals the first you know a team that made it to the Western Conference Finals first year ever for their in their existence so, while yes, Kawhi Leonard's talent warrants a four-year, $176 million extension deal, has his production for the Clippers warranted that? Because the Clippers didn't bring him to this team to just be okay. They didn't bring him to this team to just make it to the Western Conference Finals. They didn't bring him, this, bring him to this team to keep getting his face blown in by Luka Doncic (laughs) like they brought him to this team to win a championship and compete for a championship and I do think that they can compete for a championship or they they are 
championship caliber type team without him. But you know, let me say, let me say this. I think that in order to justify this deal for the Clippers and for Kawhi Leonard, he has to win, at least make it to a championship. And I think that that's tougher than ever. Like I said, Golden State's going to be back uh, healthy. Of course, the Lakers, and you see what they're doing. Utah's still up there. Denver's still up there. Uh, Luka and, and Dallas is still up there. Phoenix is still up there. So, uh, to me, I understand why you give him this contract. I understand. I mean, it's Kawhi Leonard. And you didn't blow up the, the damn team. Uh, to get Kawhi Leonard and Paul George just to see him go in like two years. I understand that. But I think that Kawhi Leonard has to win a championship or at least make it to a championship in order for this deal to to be okay. Because if he, if you look at the end of this deal, because if you look at the end of this deal and you look at the end of Paul George's deal and you look up, they don't even make it to the NBA Finals, then you can argue that this was probably one of the worst deals, not just this one, but one of the worst transactions in NBA history because they they moved mountains. My fault. They moved mountains, man. Draft picks, players. They moved mountains for these two players. And they they arguably jeopardized their future for the current for this for the current. They pretty much threw away the future for the current. I mean, remember, they had Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who is still a very young, good point guard or shooting guard, whatever, you, however you want to play him. They had Landry Shaman. They had a whole bunch of draft picks. They had Lou Williams. They had uh, Montrez Harold. They blew that all up for Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and then they gave them extensions. They gave him, if you look up four years down the road or three years down the road, four years down the road, and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George not only don't have a championship but didn't even make it, then ah, you really have to question, was this a smart move? Because you don't make this move just to be a relevant team. You don't make this move to just be a middle-of-the-pack team. You don't make this move to be so close to the finals and never make it. You make this move to win an NBA championship. And if you don't, ah, it's you're going to you're going to have to really question then what was the value of Paul George? What was the value of Kawhi Leonard? If you look up and and and, and I think this topic is really important because it's tough right now for me to see a path where the Clippers win a championship. I think that they can make it, and of course I think they can win, but it's tough. With the West getting back reloaded, with the moves that the Lakers made, the health of Golden State, them getting back, and of course we need to see what if they make any moves for a star player. Like what if they get Ben Simmons? What if, what if uh, uh, Damian Lillard finally gets a, a a a a good number two? Like, what if Luca messes around and gets gets a Damian Lillard type player? 
Like it just it's not to mention say 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 the league stays the way it is right now. And the Clippers mess up and and end up making it to the NBA finals. Then I don't see do you see them beating a a Brooklyn Nets team? A, a completely healthy Brooklyn Nets? Do you see them beating a, a a completely healthy Bucks team? It's just it's tough, man. It's tough. But I, we're going to need to see what happens moving forward. So I'm excited. And again, I honestly, I know I said at least make it, but I think that they don't they don't give it from what the production that we've seen from 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 Kawhi Leonard before this deal. You don't sign this deal hoping you just make it to an NBA finals. You sign this deal hoping that he gets you and wins you an NBA championship. And while. I think if they make it to an NBA championship within this four years, it's not going to be a, 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 a completely bad deal or, you know, whatever. But if they don't even make it to an NBA finals in this four years, you're going to have to look up and say, wow, this that was one of the, the most eye-popping, worst moves in league history, tr- trading your, your current and your future for two players pretty much and trying to build around them and it not working. So, you know, we'll, we'll definitely see how it goes moving forward so we'll see but 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 shouts out and congratulations to Kawhi Leonard for getting the bag again four years 176 million especially all the money that he's been paid in his career shouts out to you my guy shouts out to you and lastly you know (laughs) oh man so I don't like being Sometimes it's hard to zig when everyone's zagging, you know. Sometimes it's hard to uh, go against the grain sometimes. Because, I mean, Kwai has kept the grain. Going with the grain is sometimes very easy and very comfortable. But I'm going to end my show like this. We just saw Isaiah Thomas. First of all, shouts out to Isaiah Thomas. But we just show we just saw Isaiah Thomas drop eighty one points in a pro am game, and uh, uh, Jamal Crawford's pro am game to be exact. And now everyone's saying from Kendrick Perkins to Isaiah Thomas himself to a lot of NBA players, they're pretty much saying that Isaiah Thomas deserves to still be in the league. First and foremost, I've seen some of these pro-am games from Jamal Crawford's pro-am to uh, the Drew League. Um, You see a lot of these, you know, pro-ams, and of course athletes show out. This is the same pro-am I've seen – What's his name, bro? Um, ah, oh, damn. I've seen some. Spencer Hoss has gone crazy in these pro hams. Spencer Hoss. When was when Isaiah Thomas was at his best? 
and this and that's undoubtedly when he was with the Boston Celtics. Um Isaiah Thomas was an incredible incredible score, especially at his height. I think he scored the most fourth quarter points that see or those seasons that he was there. Uh, I think he has one of the highest um, or yeah, I think he has one of the highest field goal percentages and field goal in outputs um, in fourth quarters when he was with Boston. But, but even in all that, what was Isaiah Thomas? Isaiah Thomas was a short point guard who was an incredible scorer, but did absolutely nothing else. He wasn't the best. He, he wasn't good at assists, so he didn't really have court vision as far as, you know, assisting and passing the ball. And because of his height, he was god off. In fact, out of like all, he was the worst, I think, statistically defender of every single player when he was when he was at his apex. When he was at his, his his when he was at the top of the mountain of of his of of his talent, he was the worst defender in the league. Like, and that's you can look it up. That wasn't even that's not even an exaggeration. He was the worst defender in the league. And then you know he gets traded to the Cleveland, uh, goes to the Lakers, ends up uh, with the Wizards. Uh, and and then of course injuries started to hit. Injuries started to set in, um, and the scoring that you're used to in in Boston just wasn't there anymore. I don't know if he couldn't do it due to injury. Uh, it just wasn't there anymore. The system wasn't there for him. The league caught up to him. Like it just wasn't there. And do I think that? Do I think that um do I think that Isaiah Thomas is a bad player right now? No. There's but do I think that he is still good enough to be in the league? Like think about it like this. Would you pick would you pick Isaiah Thomas right now over Colin Sexton? Over Darius Garland? Would you pick Isaiah Thomas right now? Again, we're we're coming off of pro and Pro-Am, and don't get me wrong, shouts out to all the players in the Pro-Am, but we're talking about Pro-Am, where these are just players that probably work at Best Buy. Some of them players in them Pro-Am. This is also the same Pro-Am. Bruh. Would you pick Isaiah Thomas right now over... Ish Smith, because I wouldn't. Look, man, I, there's there's plenty of great leagues overseas. There's plenty of great proams. I guess he can do Drew League and stuff, but I just don't think because we saw him score eighty one points in a in a proam that means he automatically can duplicate that or or still be a serviceable player in the league. Cause, cause again, who is he guarding? Is he, is he, is he gonna guard a? Who is he guarding? Who, 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 who do you think he's guarding? And again, I'm not trying to burst his bubble. If he gets back into the league, great. I don't. I want everyone to be the best player that they can be. But 
the the Isaiah Thomas that I've seen recently in the league. And I understand that could be due to injury, and he could come back and and kill, and and I will come here and say that I'm wrong. But the Isaiah Thomas that I saw the last few years should not be in the league. Yeah, you can go crazy in a pro-am. Hell, we just saw Kevin Porter Jr., and and shouts out to him. He's he's incredible. Him him and DeJounte Murray go for like 50 and 48 in a pro-am. What um didn't didn't Jamal Crawford just go for like ninety in a pro ham? So again, man, shouts out to Isaiah Thomas. I'm not. It's not here to disrespect. I'm just saying, don't let a pro am fool you. A pro am is not the NBA. And just because a player is great in a pro am doesn't mean he's good enough to still be in the league. Now, again, he could go back in the league and be incredible and prove me wrong, and I will be the first to come in and say, "Yo, I was wrong." My man's killing. But the Isaiah Thomas that I've seen the last few years, ever or ever since that incredible run that he had in in in, in Boston, yeah, the, I, I don't think that's there no more. I haven't seen that at least. So, yeah, man. And that has been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast, man. I appreciate you guys. I love you guys, man. I, I enjoy doing this twice a week, man. Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot. I was I was just thinking like, damn. I just recorded like a few days ago, <laughs> but I appreciate you guys, man. If you want an unpopular podcast shirt, sweater, hoodie, long sleeve joggers, the link is in the description below. I have multiple different designs, multiple different colors, multiple different sizes. Go get your merch today. Hey, man. Hey, go go get your merch today. It looks good, bro. It looks good on you. It looks good on me. Go get your merch. Also, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. I'm trying to reach a thousand subscribers. So tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend after you subscribe. Tell them to subscribe as well. Definitely appreciate it. Um, again, I thank you guys for continuing to rock with me. We're, we're, we're chugging along, man. We're chugging along. Uh, and until next time, much love. Down south slangin', rollin' with these hustlers Tryin' get rid of all you haters and you busted Down south slangin', rollin' with these hustlers Tryin' to get rid of all you haters and you bust. What's the sense of it all? Pimpin' powder and pussy Tryin' to make pennies See niggas lie on the stand Yeah, hell ain't harder than prison, who knows? In the 90s, the traffic stop get you tickets A joke, now they find you a traffic stop Get you riddled with holes We be livin' too fast, we be sippin' the slow One my niggas was sellin' work Now he sellin' no shows I'm EJ, so that's growth Pay attention, take note you over 40 and moving work, better be by the boat Better be by the dock, better not be by your home If niggas really won't hurt you, they gon' leave you alone Cousin Peoples is coming, where your loyalty youngin' When a rapper say free my nigga, his lawyers get hungry And everybody wanna be a trap nigga, cause them rap trap niggas get paid And don't nobody wanna be a trap trap nigga When them bad niggas got you on tape Artem is hatin' life, now you just sayin' lies Got these suburban nights thinking y'all ain't afraid to fight Right in the mirror, crying a little, you shaking right Your soul is in prison and there is no visitation rights Down south slang, music with these hustlers Keep it true to self and never sell out with these busters I ain't finna tap dance, I don't give a fuck though Keep it true to self and keep a crew of niggas cut though Down south slang, rolling with these hustlers Trying to get rid of all you haters and you busted Down south slang, rolling with these hustlers Trying to get rid of all you haters and you busted down south slangin', rollin' with these hustlers, tryin' get rid of all you haters and you busted. 
down south slangin', rollin' with these hustlers, tryna get rid of all you haters and you bust. I got the cocaine lady, white lady by the key, eight cup full of Texas, pulled by the three, three, hopped out the Porsche when it sold me a piece, smoke a pussy nigga like I rolled me a leaf, like a leaf, nigga. Oh, smoke, put a hole in his teeth, Hey, boom, bop, bam, put a hole in his cheek, Hey, nigga talkin' tough, but you a hole in the street, Hey, come and get out of freaky hoes in the sheets, Hey, hustlin' like a motherfucker, nigga, serve a scutter, See how niggas play it then. Down south slangin', rollin' with these hustlers. Tryin' get rid of all you haters and you busters. Down south slangin', rollin' with these hustlers. Tryin' to get rid of all you haters and you busters. Down south slangin', rollin' with these hustlers. Tryin' get rid of all you haters and you busters. Down south slangin', rollin' with these hustlers. Tryin' to get rid of all you haters and you busters. Down south slangin', serving all these customers. Like Bill, I keep some pilsky, but he clip like Rudy Hustler. On the real, you might get killed, don't touch my tank, cause it's untouchable. Big Black, not know my hip, yeah, I'ma shoot that bitch, ain't cute, but she's still fuckable. Racks on racks, move packs, your packs at school, had packs like lunchables. Choke gas on gas for fives and max, we bust out straps at constables. Had to toss my sack, no foam with her, on Adderall, but it's still functional. Still aired out at a functional, that Draco so dysfunctional. Used to be a robber, Ebo, Nadja, boy, go ask why late. Yellow bone, a cocktail, give me sloppy topper as I lay. Pull up on the opera, chopper, rocker, hit him while he lay. I spend some chips to get you killed, my Chris gon' make you free, don't lay. Bang, we don't really tussle. If I can't get that thing in, then I'm not finna go club. Ever since my bro got killed, I can't trust shit, I can't trust nothing. Can't even trust my Chris because of Crip Kill Nissy hustle. Down south slangin', rollin' with these hustlers. Tryin' get rid of all you haters and you busters. Down south slangin', rollin' with these hustlers. Tryin' to get rid of all you haters and you busters. Down south slangin', rollin' with these hustlers. Tryin' get rid of all you haters and you busters. Down south slangin', rollin' with these hustlers. Tryin' to get rid of all you haters and you busters.